I'm saying is, and then in the first season he's introduced, Vegeta blows up a planet with two fingers, and then suddenly the final flash is scary because it's gonna destroy the Earth. Father, I stop. I swear to God, Sam, if you don't stop talking about how Vegeta can be every single character we bring up, I am never talking to you about this again. It's, look, I... Look, the, the the fact that we see the progression, like, you can say you're stronger than Goku all you want, uh, author of anything. That well, look, doesn't okay. mean any. Okay, if we're just going to turn this into a giant dick measuring contest, I guess Aaron Jaeger is the strongest person because he's a titan-sized schlong. I don't know, maybe maybe Nick and Simone would like to talk. Have you seen Log on Hand? That thing is the size of half a galaxy. Not even a galaxy, yeah. a universe. Super... in a special uh, space that everything that's in that space is also that big too that doesn't count yeah you're not even talking about trigger's best work if we can just like what hey wait, hold on hold on yes kill a kill is objectively good but <laughs> uh... i think we need to uh, take this from the top uh... yep and <laughs> that got a little heated that got a little heated play the intro music sam Hello everyone and welcome back to the Over Manga Cast. My name is Sam, and this week we are missing a J. So um, uh, Matt and Jacob and I are going to talk about something stupid for an hour, which is so uh, punching stuff. You guys ready? For once, it won't be Eden Zero. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're doing another roundtable discussion, and this time it is concerning uh, power scaling. One of the more contentious things that comes up in the uh, manga and the anime zeitgeist, uh, thanks to the prevalence of punch-em-ups in uh, shonen manga. It's a fun discussion to be had, but it's... it's. But nerds on the internet take it too seriously. Well, nerds on the internet take it too seriously, and um, I think another thing that is uh, really important to remember, and there are parts where I, I worry that I might make the mistake of forgetting this. I'd like to hope that I don't fall into this trap, but just because a series has stronger characters than another series says nothing about the quality of either. I think that's an important thing to remember because there are a lot of cases where um, uh, sometimes I think the reason why it feels so personal can feel like it's an attack on something that you like. And uh, remember, you can have a series full of weak characters and it can still be better than something that is about a bunch of gods. <laughs> that is absolutely within uh, the realms of possibility. And in a lot of cases, it's usually true. Just saying, Goku could 1v1 every single child in Promise Neverland. <laughs> that doesn't make Dragon Ball the better series. Like, yeah. uh, Matt, I see you also remember that obvious bait post from a while back on Twitter about how Ultra Instinct Goku could absolutely rinse Anya in a fight. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I was just surprised the number of people responding to that who didn't think Goku would fight a child. He has canonically done so twice, like... Oh, yeah, no, Goku would fight a child if you gave him a reason to, 100%. Also, that but... reason could literally be that child saying, hey, fight me. Like, yeah. it's... Oh, it's like, yeah. oh, okay. 
this is really the topic, so I'll I'll be brief. But like Goku has has been flanderized in both directions. He is not a he is not a paragon hero, nor is I I think it's too far to go the other way and say that he's a bad person. But yeah, no, Goku would fight a child if the child challenged him. That's that's a hundred percent true. <laughs> yeah, I think that one of the things that is ultimately it, it's kind of interesting how like ubiquitous the idea of x could fight goku or could not fight goku would get destroyed that's such a that's such an overwhelming idea in the in the culture <laughs> well there's a particular reason why goku is the one always brought up and actually it kind of goes into the way i try to look at these sorts of things one of the big things that is special and unique about Dragon Ball, we see an entire generation come and go. We see the progression, and we see every plateau that gets climbed over. The amount of time spent on making characters stronger, and we see characters get stronger in Dragon Ball, is demonstrably different from most other series. And that's usually why I will look at a series and usually, like, like if I'm looking at, at uh, like, comparing series powers, I will usually attempt to leave Dragon Ball out of the discussion because when Piccolo shows up is usually where shows end. That's kind of a big deal. And we see the characters of Dragon Ball keep climbing past that. And that's part of the reason why they're presented as so absurdly powerful because, you know, there's a next, you know, plateau to climb to. It separates Dragon Ball in a sense. Mm. Another thing that's, I think, important is I have watched a lot of Death Battle. I think the show is really cool. Real world physics usually do not apply to most of the things <laughs> that they compare. Real world physics definitely don't apply to the Dragon Ball universe. That's... No, they don't. Yeah, they obviously don't. And they don't apply to many fictional universes. I, mm. I remember hearing a really funny thing, I believe from Sam, actually, where um, the sonic cannon that Cyborg, the DC Universe character, uses, his million decibel sonic cannon should create a black hole because a million decibels just does that. Yeah. That's not how it works in the DC universe, though. So, like, do you count the black hole that Cyborg can technically create if you're using real-world physics? You kind of have to judge a series based off of their own universe rules and scaling, mm -hmm. as opposed to real-world universe rules and scaling. Mm -hmm. And and that's kind of the the nail in the coffin, so to so to speak, because if you're story is going to involve any sort of physical conflict or threat it's going to be geared around the the needs of that story like the the stan lee quote that's really important about this is like when he ever got asked like who would win in a fight between two marvel characters his response was whoever the writer wants to win exactly like, you're telling mm -hmm. a story it's whatever is going to be most interesting like there's a reason spider-man is so insanely powerful in the Marvel Universe because he's the most popular hero and people want to see him win. Like, you want to talk about a character that people love pitting against other characters, you got Batman. You can contrive a way for Batman to win literally any fight as long as you give him prep time. Except Kirby. 
(laughs) (laughs) That's sort of the thing, though, is like, you know, Batman needs the prep time. If you're if you're asking about like, you know, the raw power of characters in a vacuum, that's a completely different question of what would happen if these characters met in a story and you contrived a reason for them to fight. Like, there's another one where it's like Goku versus Superman. There's, you know, like there's always the element that I immediately think of is that they wouldn't fight. Like you would have to contrive a reason for them to fight each other. And it's like, yeah, I could totally see the two of them sparring, but like that's different from what people are asking, you know? And mm-hmm. there is there is a difference between asking, you put them, you put two characters in a cage in a cage match forget about their you know forget about their personalities except for how it pertains to a fight who wins is a different question of if these characters met who would win if you got gave them a reason to fight each other because in all honesty for Goku and Superman to fight each other one of them would have had to have been turned evil before they'd ever throw a like actual life or death punch at the other and then whoever's mind controlled is going to lose because they're they don't have their heart in it but this actually is a really good example of um i love the i love the goku versus superman thing because there's a a a big difference and like this is again sort of like the 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 way i think about you know different characters fighting against each other uh you know like superman is absurdly powerful he's designed to be we have seen goku reach levels of power that like superman has displayed and kept going Mm. and in a lot of cases you'll see a situation like superman as a character being you know uh and like superman is is, superman is normally a better written character than this but like you can you can point out a case where a writer gave superman a power because it means that he wins in that story Mm. you mean the entire silver age like how he can shoot out miniature versions of himself of himself out of rainbows in his fingers yes i mean but like like even in the even in the context like the thing is i i, I sort of love goku versus superman because if the two of them just stepped out of their own universes into a box that they fought in goku would flick superman away without trying at first but if superman met goku then he would totally take up Goku's training regimen and catch up to him. And now they have a really cool fight. But there's also another layer that's important to remember. It's, it's as I was going to say, you say that uh, Goku has reached like levels that Superman has reached and kept going. That's because Superman hasn't fought like Frieza. And, and that's actually exactly what I was going to get into next, because a really, really important thing to remember is different stories have different needs for different levels of power Mm -hmm. as i alluded to earlier yeah and and the two characters that are sort of like the mimetic ones that get referenced in versus goku like conversations it's superman and saitama and the reason why this is such a contentious discussion isn't just because like the powers of all three characters involved are beyond mortal comprehension which is true and it's not just because, um, all, like, all three characters are loved in their own right and people want to go to bat for their favorite of those three. I love all three, by the by. It's because when taken holistically as story elements, each character is the shows up and wins the day character. There's actually a layer deeper than that, because when you look at Goku, he is allowed to lose, and he does sometimes. Mm-hmm. And his whole point is to grow past where he currently is. 
So as long as Goku still has more story in him, he will always get stronger, which is the reason why he's so absurdly powerful. Superman, on the other hand, is a living embodiment of aspiration. The narrative is never going to challenge him because physical challenges are anathema to Superman's character. Superman's at his best when he can absolutely punch the problem away, but he finds a better solution than that. Those are the best Superman stories. And then, of course, you have Saitama, who is a gag character. We've joked on previous episodes, who would win, Goku versus Saitama? And in all honesty, there's a very strong argument to be made for both of them. In both cases, though, you're kind of screwing over Saitama as a character to even ask the question in the first place. Like, even when Saitama isn't a gag mo- character, as he's, like, evolving out as... You you guys haven't got there, but One Punch Man's going in a weird direction. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Can't wait. <laughs> so, like... It's it's not a matter of would this be a good fight, because the entire point of Saitama's character is he wins a fight in one punch. Mm-hmm. That That is full stop. If he is trying, the fight is over. It's like a hacked character in a fighting game. Yeah. Like, it, it's not a good fight. It's, it's not, yeah, yeah. You can t- if you take away Saitama's gag monogal logic, yeah, Goku would probably win that fight almost surely because Goku's shown more growth than Saitama has. But you're also taking the Saitama out of Saitama. Yeah, at, at that point, he's not fighting Saitama. You have yeah. created a completely different character for Goku to, which is, mm-hmm. I don't know, that's my problem I get a lot of times in these conversations about, like, who would win in a fight is, like, you clearly really like one of these, and then you've created a straw man of what you think the other person is. Mm. <laughs> and it's just, like, yeah. cool. I that's actually, that's actually one of the reasons why I love uh, Goku versus Superman so much, because... I love the image in my mind of the two of them like becoming friends and Goku gives Superman his workout routine and the two of them end up like being really buddy buddy with each other and like the the sparring wait, fights wait. they have would be absolutely epic and really cool and honestly <laughs> I don't know when they're evenly matched who would win that's a really interesting question I think Goku wins by a margin I think Superman flies into the center of a yellow sun and then that instantly wins everything. That's <laughs> go to Superman always does is yeah, that overload is... himself on energy. Yeah, mm. yeah, because that's that's one thing that uh, often gets forget about forgotten about Superman. A lot of his powers are like solar battery based, and you can beat the invincibility out of them. But also, he can literally just go into space. So. Mm-hmm. The other thing yeah. is occasionally you get that Superman doesn't train. They they do back and forth on this a lot, like whether or not how much of his physique is just completely natural and how much is he's just good at maintaining it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Usually there is some level of training, and he he does like in many versions he does know a Kryptonian martial art. The other problem is Superman has literally like ninety different versions. Goku conveniently only has three. Uh, That's actually another reason why Dragon Ball is sort of weird in the amount of growth that it has as a series. It's fairly contiguous, which yeah. you don't get a lot once power levels start reaching the Titanic scales that Goku and the uh, the rest of the Z fighters have. Uh, Usually, step- the series ends or it creates mm-hmm. a spinoff. Yeah, uh, stepping a little bit outside the manga and anime sphere, uh, this is actually something that has been a long-standing point of contention with the World of Warcraft community. Not where uh, I wh- thought you'd be going, but go for it. Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> it's because with every expansion pack, Blizzard needed to up the stakes. So it was 
the Burning Legion, you know, big army of demons. Then it was the Lich King. Then it was Deathwing. Then blah, 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 blah. It's reached the point where in Shadowlands, we have literally invaded the realm of death and reached the actual, like, cosmological, metaphysical center of the universe and defeated the guy that was threatening to blow it up, basically. I don't know. I didn't play Shadowlands. I just follow the lore. So, and then becomes the question of, if you have been playing the same main character from classic over these past like 15 years that it's been one contiguous character going through all this growth your dwarf hunter or human paladin or, or orc shaman or whatever has done the same thing and it feels weird to like reach this plateau of insane godly power and then oh next expansion pack you found a uh, a green item in a cave that someone from the explorers league dropped and it outclasses the legendary gear you got from the heart of the sepulcher whatever mmo power scaling's awful in that you'll get like the <laughs> this is the legendary <laughs> battle axe of the great dwarven lord and it will be not as good as a common drop in the next area like exactly exactly uh, and, and like just on the power scaling in general, like video games are on like a completely different plateau because I think no one would argue basically any Final Fantasy character could wipe the floor with Goku because by the end of every single game, you are fighting multiple gods like like they're they are on completely different wavelengths. Like one of them is a personal power fantasy while the other is a show you're watching. Mm. They, yep. they have different goals to convey to the audience. And again, that and again, that cycles back to your power scale your the system you're working within is dependent upon the story that the author is trying to tell dragon yeah. ball is a story about continuous advancement and uh self-improvement ergo continuous power scaling and the the fact that it managed to last in one singular form as long as it did is the reason why it went so far i mean like there and actually dragon ball is a, a pretty good example because like mentioning um you know the idea that final fantasy characters would wipe the floor with uh goku i mean there's a strong argument to be made because of characters like beerus are still outside of goku's league alternatively Kaiosama used to be a god and he's not anymore, which actually reveals a bit of a problem that um, long-running series can have. And I don't think that this is a universal problem and I think it can be worked around. But this is a really good example of the case where sometimes you kind of have to let a series end because mm -hmm. where do you go? Like, you know, I mean, you know, Sam mentioning MMOs is a really good example of it. It's like at some point, like the story should end, but like the nature of an MMO is that there's always got to be another expansion. Mm -hmm. So long as it's still racking in subscription dollars. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, the, the, the plot point that uh, Dragon Ball gets where you've got two fighters who are strong enough that the very planet they're on is ripping apart by them being on it. And then they continue having fights on planets for three more arcs. Like... It really diminishes what that means, you know? I mean, like... It kind of makes you feel like planets in the Dragon Ball universe just have to be made out of styrofoam, or, like, they have to be significantly weaker for anything to make sense at that point, like... Like, again, it's one of those ones where it's like, I think that there is a really fun exercise to put characters, like... I, there's basically two ways I like doing it. I like uh, putting characters on even keel, like, intentionally, like... Uh, you know, just like by going by relative feats. The death battle approach. Uh, feet, 
feet scaling gets me the wrong way sometimes because people will be like, yeah, it's hard. And it, it really is the case where that's sort of the reason why the amount of time you've watched a character grow is a big part of what I factor into that which is why I usually set Dragon Ball aside. And then the other version is where you try to equalize power and go more by the sort of like typical shonen versus elements of how well does a character leverage their power set against someone else and how skilled they are in a fight. And again, those are completely different questions. Frankly, I think the second one is more interesting. I like, do I do default to the second one. Mostly. Like, and a lot of times the like just bringing this up as an example, not to keep harping back to the same thing, but like in the example of Goku versus Superman, that's a cool fight because they're basically the same person. But like, I kind of also have the same mindset. That'd be such a boring fight to watch because they do basically the same thing. Yeah, they have very similar power sets. The reason why I enjoy that thought exercise is almost entirely because I sort of enjoy what their character interaction would probably be if they were both at their best written real selves. But like um, that, it's not really the fight that's interesting at that point. It's the characters, which is different. Which is why people love crossover fan fiction. Tell you what, you guys want to set down some ground rules, then we can uh, go for a break and come back with the fun bit of just who would win a fight. <laughs> <laughs> and, sure. and, and we can we can try not to uh, do a repeat of the opener. We'll yeah, see how well, that goes, folks. Yeah, well. Uh, take take two will go better. I think we we've talked out the the problems. Uh, so for, for, let's uh, let's just go round robin until we can stop thinking of uh, round one. Uh, Saitama would win anything. There's no point bringing him up. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. If you were to make Saitama a fair character to put in, he wouldn't be Saitama as we mentioned. So he should be left out of any. I think all gag manga characters should be left out of the discussion. Um, and I'm actually gonna throw Dragon Ball in that camp too because what i mentioned about the amount of time that they had by the time it stops being a gag manga series they've built on top of gag manga which makes them very very hard to compare to anybody else so i'm gonna say no dragon ball all right and uh i would say i can't really uh come up with anything else that's actually the basics it has to come down to I also love Saitama and hate Dragon Ball. This was perfect for me. <laughs> no, wait, wait, no, no, hold on. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I, I think that's a basic ground rule to work off of because you can't really scale something that's designed wholly for jokes. And that is what Saitama is. It's like you said before, Matt, the Stanley quote of who would win in a fight. It comes down to the writer, the the writer for uh, One Punch Man said that if he punched with all his force, it would destroy half the universe because that's the direction he was facing. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you do about that? <laughs> like the, the people who try and do matchups against Saitama do not understand One Punch Man like that. Mm -hmm. They don't understand the point of One Punch Man. Like, it, it is a very clear concept. Saitama wins the fight in one punch. There is no but, there is no asterisk. That is the point. Yeah, we'll take a uh, quick break and then we're going to come back for some uh, good old fashioned power scaling action.
Welcome back, everybody. We're going to get into the, the big rumble portion of the episode. Uh, having gotten our various thoughts out about how uh, power scaling works, uh, we're now going to pit some characters against one another. Uh, the format's going to be a little freeform. Uh, we're going to focus a bit on genres because there's a lot of overlap because or there's not a lot of overlap in some cases because it's like, hey, relative power scaling of, I don't know, Tanjiro versus hero yui and the gundam wing like yeah that's a, that's a weird comparison to be made that requires a lot of assumptions i don't but, even know how to begin that yeah. <laughs> like but hero yui and the wing versus simona kamina and the gurren lagan see i love doing comparisons with the wing zero because fun fact about the wing zero it kind of has its own built-in cheat code People don't really understand how the Zero system works most of the time. It is a supercomputer that takes in all available data of any kind and feeds all of that raw data into the pilot's mind as a way of predicting the future with relative certainty, assuming it doesn't give you an aneurysm and insta-kills you, which is usually what happens <laughs> because Gundam. And the really interesting thing is it makes... It makes zero or it makes anything zero system equipped nearly impossible to fight in a mech context. But Gurren Lagan is one of the exceptions. The whole it's, point is to do the impossible and to see the invisible. So <laughs> row row, fight the power. The main yeah. enemy of Gurren Lagan is literally people who think too logically. Like Super Robot series would give the Zero System the most trouble. But even something like the Burning Gundam, which is relatively grounded for a super robot, you know, like say the Megazords from Power Rangers or the uh whatever the Sentai calls their combining robots. I think they call it something different every time. Even something are, they tend to have set fighting moves that make them relatively predictable, but the themes of Gurren Lagann actually end up going almost directly against the Zero system. Mm -hmm. And the meme of singing uh, Rap is a Man's Soul, but it does come down to that whole idea of... The Lagans were designed to break through possibility and do things that shouldn't be possible in order to allow life to flourish. So against something that is supposed to break down everything into uh, a predictable code, it, it's kind of a the perfect matchup for the Lagans in a sense. Mm -hmm. That said, though, there is also another really important factor that makes this a really interesting fight. Does Simone have Buta with him? You're right. <laughs> I was actually on the I was actually on the Gundam side for this one. Um it's easy to underestimate the zero system, but once you understand how powerful the zero system is, it's also easy to overvalue the zero system relative to the pilot using it. Because if someone can handle the zero system, they have to be a very very special kind of combatant. And could Hiro's own personal instincts allow him to keep up and and honestly i don't know i i that that is that is very much whoever you want to win wins that fight i mean um, jacob how creative is hero because that's the problem he's gonna get all of that spiral energy absorbed from him into the tengen tapa <laughs> yeah yeah it is created by humanity's combined spiral energy so that everything from him has already been spirit bombed away 
<laughs> but yeah and then there there's the other fun one where uh like people will always bring up the tengen topagur and Lagon as being like the ultimate thing because it's galaxy sized but guys that was only in a special dimension where everyone who goes there is automatically galaxy sized it's it, really yeah. cool but it doesn't make it automatically win fights yeah no the the anti-spiral as much as says that that pocket dimension is designed to be a metaphor in universe <laughs> so guys counterpoint you're both making some good points here but what if could either of those mechs handle just for like some weird kind of tangent the combination of someone's concentrated love anger and more importantly all of their sorrow <laughs> <laughs> With Domen Kashu's shining finger. I don't know what the, the Burning Gundam is capable of. <laughs> the Burning Gundam is capable of whatever the plot says it's capable of. Okay, jokes aside, I actually really love the Burning Gundam as a mech design. Mm -hmm. And Shining Gundam as well, because the Burning Gundam is an extension of Shining Gundam. It has been a while since I've watched G Gundam, but I'm pretty sure it is implied the Burning Gundam is a Christ analog. Like, it, it gets weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh i mean technically technically the wing gundam relative to the wing gundam zero also gets that treatment it was kind of common at the time but yeah <laughs> I, I i'm pretty sure you're right about that but yeah i mean the 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 sort of nice thing about anytime you want to talk about a super robot show it's less about which series is more powerful because the nature of super robot shows is that they can make the robots themselves more powerful Strictly speaking, if you're going to talk about this, like something like the big O shouldn't even be in this conversation, but it also does things that should not be physically possible. <laughs> so if you want to have the big O fight anything, really, it can awaken to new abilities that Roger Smith didn't know it had. They are all tomatoes after it, all. Isn't the big O fueled by memories? Like it, it gets weird. <laughs> the big O is up there with, Megas <laughs> from Megas XLR in terms of ass pulling oh. powers. Oh, if we're talking about like who would win a fight, Coop in the Megas is. <laughs> yeah, he, he has some advantages, doesn't he? I, yeah. I think as far as pilots go, Coop is pretty good considering he learned advanced robotics on mm -hmm. his own from just like he can jury rig immediately. I th I think. uh it should come as no surprise to our listeners that I was a big fan of Megas XLR, and then I found Gurren Logon. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, I, I feel we're hitting a wall on the giant mechs. You guys uh, ready for another topic? I think so. Yeah. How about a uh, new shonen like uh, the mm -hmm. the Black Clover, the Demon Slayer, the My Hero Academia? Mm. Yeah, like the the new guard of shonen. Mm. Full disclosure: I've not actually seen anything of black clover except for like two video essays yeah I've, <laughs> I've actually watched i think only a few seasons so uh probably mm -hmm. something we should put on our reading list i'm probably not going to mention any of the characters though <laughs> yeah. yeah one of the ones one of the uh series that i immediately think of as a really top contender for incredibly powerful characters within the new shonen space is actually jujutsu kaisen so Kaisen has like genuinely hyper powerful characters like All Might I think is constantly said is the strongest in My Hero but like mm -hmm. as far as feats go and like I know we derided that term but I think like in just how strong characters are I think All Might would have trouble against most people in Jujutsu Kaisen 
Yeah. Compare what happened with the United States of Smash versus Gojo clicking his fingers and tearing a massive furrow through an entire forest. In all honesty, if you look at if you look at the anime version of United States of Smash, which is far more extreme than what the manga does, there is to some extent a lot of new shonen does kind of like lovingly poke fun at how absurd Dragon Ball got. And mm -hmm. I love that. <laughs> like, I love it both from the perspective of a Dragon Ball fan and a fan of a lot of these new series. One of the big things about Jujutsu Kaisen and the thing that makes it stand out in my mind is actually dimension expansion. Because if you don't have some kind of Genkai Da limit break, you know, break the rules of your own universe power inherent to you. Like, if that's not something in your skill set. And, like, there are characters that have that, absolutely. But, mm -hmm. like, I don't see how a Demon Slayer or even one of the demons from Demon Slayer would really stand a chance against a Jujutsu Sorcerer. So here's the thing. I think a demon from Demon Slayer, if you're in a domain expansion, I think they could get out. Because demons in Demon Slayer have a kind of same thing. They've got that, like, internal yeah. power. Mm, that's true, yeah. They're... I, I would think those would be compatible. Yeah, and, they, they'd, and be, if... they'd be relatively similar and thus operate on the same rule, so it really would be who opens theirs first. Yeah, and the demons of Demon Slayer would have mad cursed energy, so... Earlier, we talked about how ultimately power sets are designed for the stories that they exist within. I think that Jujutsu Kaisen and Demon Slayer are one of the ones of the new Shonen Guard that have the most overlap in terms of thematics and ergo power systems. I, I'd say they're probably even on about even power level. Mm -hmm. Like, like demons are hyper-powerful, cursed spirits are hyper-powerful. Jujutsu sorcerers, I think, on average, are stronger than demon slayers. Yeah. But the second you hit main characters, that doesn't matter. What is your limit break power? I'm a main character. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Just the nature of the types of stories that, that, that Demon Slayer and Jujutsu Kaisen are telling, I feel that Jujutsu Kaisen has an edge in power. I mean, not just because of characters like Gojo, but their average power level is naturally set higher. Mm -hmm. But also, again, the thing that, you know, the more interesting question is if you equalize raw power levels, because, you know, like we've we've talked in the Demon Slayer episodes about the fact that, like, technically Tanjiro doesn't have any superpowers. But yes, he does, because he's using Charles Atlas superpowers. The things he is doing is not normal. Well, like he also, he also has breathing techniques that they don't say are magic, but are magic. Like, they definitely are magic. Yeah, I think uh, I think Yuji would beat all of the main characters in Demon Slayer. I think he's just durable enough. Actually, that's one of the big things about Demon Slayer is that the, all of the human characters don't... <laughs> there, there are occasions where some of them have a bit... They used to not have superhuman durability. I will confidently say that. <laughs> Inosuke uh, rearranged his internal organs, <laughs> but... <laughs> there were parts uh, of that arc that were questionable at best. <laughs> To kind of reinsert Hiroaka into this, uh, one of the things that I've seen discussed is all every there must be some sort of like universal quirk of low level invulnerability because yeah. of the amount of punishment everyone in that story takes. Yeah, it's it's the it's the um it's the thing that JoJo's parodies where characters mm -hmm. can get hideously grievous wounds until they're gone. 
a chapter literally later. the next episode yeah the average person in hiroaka seems to be able to take a lot more than the average person in demon slayer demon slayer is real good about like regular people get killed in one hit like yeah hiroaka if you, like, you have three hits even if you're like a regular person like and again yeah. hiroaka is supposed to be ultimately an optimistic story wow yeah, i was just demon gonna say it's a tonal thing yeah demon slayer is I, I feel like it is optimistic. Face, it, it's hope in the face of a cruel world, whereas mm -hmm. Hirawaka is more about being your best self yeah. in a world that, if you try hard enough, will let you, which is different. So let's let's get back on the topic here a little. Uh, I think we can all agree uh, Gojo wipes oh, the yeah. floor with anyone in Demon Slayer. Because I think oh, yeah. we've kind of written my hero off from Mattering, and none of us know... Uh, Black Clover, Black Clover enough to make a comment on yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I have I have heard a lot of good things about Black Clover. It's, it's uh, definitely on the list of series we should read, so. Mm -hmm. That's funny, because I'd heard a lot of bad things, but I try not to make judgments before I've actually experienced something. I think it was mostly for the anime, though. Yeah, I think Black Clover had a rough start, but quickly found its stride. At least mm -hmm. that's, the, that's the consensus that I have heard. So, but, Jacob, I'll, I'll put you on, like, the same thing. I think what you like about Fire Force is the same people who complain about Fire Force complain about Black Clover. Okay, yeah, I could yeah. I could see I could see liking Black Clover then. So, yeah, definitely on the list. Um, oh, I, yeah, I guess as long as we're talking about New Shonen, Fire Force can jump in here. I was just going to say oh, yeah. Fire Force is an interesting one. Fire Force, I think, is actually um, power level wise, at least semi similar to Demon Slayer. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't see the characters as being like the only thing that they're absurdly durable against is fire in specific. Mm -hmm. And hey, with Rengoku down, there's not a lot of people in Demon Slayer that could do fire attacks. So, <laughs> well, here's the thing I want to remind: Demon Slayer doesn't have a one up because uh, those kids have swords. Like you can still just be stabbed. The lieutenant in Fire Force does just have a gun, so we can't. <laughs> <laughs> I, Lieutenant in Fire Force instantly kills everyone in My Hero. Then, like as, as we established in the last arc we read there, <laughs> unless you're Tetsutetsu, but Fire Force is actually a really fun one to do, like direct one-to-one -one character comparisons. Because I think one of the big things is if you had, like, for example, uh, Shinra versus uh, Tanjiro. I think that's a really, really cool fight to think about because the the mm. level of mobility that um, uh, Shinra has to get around the sword and find alternative angles of attack versus the um, the precision it, it, of Tanjiro's sword. In Shinra, I think, can we agree that Nezuko versus Shinra, I think he'd win pretty handily because mm. Nezuko's brute force and fire magic, which we agree does not affect him. But seeing that seeing them fight would be great because it would just be the mm -hmm. ultimate breakdance kickoff. No, yeah, and then that would be what gets Tanjiro mad enough to jump into the fight. <laughs> like, yeah. who is this demon fighting my sister? Oh god, he does look like a demon. Oh, Shinra versus Tanjiro is a good fight. Like, if it's Tanjiro yeah. and Nezuko versus Shinra, I think that's just a solid fight. Somebody out there, draw art of it and uh, send it to at OverMangaCast on Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, no, and I mean, like, that that's also a really uh, close fight, too. especially, like, especially if you're going to talk about, like, creating a context for the fight to actually happen, like, Nezuko mistaking Shinra for a demon because of, like, the, the, the fangs and the toothy grin and whatnot, and, you know, attacking without thinking, and 
I mean, like Nezuko, Nezuko is really, really strong. And I think um, there are a lot of circumstances where you could justify Nezuko because it's like, you know, I mean, like if, if, for example, Shinra beat the ever loving hell out of Tanjiro and then Nezuko showed up, I think that that's a much more even fight, even though Nezuko is arguably count like countered pretty well. Are we uh, are we just negating the fact that demons are basically unkillable without the super special magic sword? Well, yeah, let's let's set yeah. that aside. I mean, because like the other thing is the other thing is in a lot of cases, um, I like to end fights at incapacitation as opposed to death. I think that that's that takes away the issue of like, would a character be willing to kill? If someone has been knocked unconscious, you can just stab them. Like, I don't really care about whether, like, like I, I don't really contextualize fights to the death in my mind. But yeah, no, a situation where Nezuko, like, thinks that Shinra is a demon, I think that Shinra is able to turn that around very quickly before Nezuko can really start to get going. Like, if they just met each other in the woods or something, and then, man... That would not be great. Tanjiro would not take t kindly to that. <laughs> his water breathing would work. And I'm wondering, though, would his sun breathing work? Yeah, the Hinokame Kagura. Yeah. yeah, I was I was going to say uh, the water breathing with its heavy emphasis on like uh, continuous flow and, you know, defending from multiple angles. That would be great for uh, going toe to toe with Shinra's breakdancing and uh, high mobility flame kick moves. But the Hinokami Kagura just is better for Tanjiro. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's better for Tanjiro. So can it get over the fact that it's kind of just from what we've seen, it relies on just heavy power and not as much the uh, the high defense of the water breathing style. Oh, honesty, I think I think a fight between um, Tanjiro and uh, Shinra in a lot of ways comes down to, you know, I mean, like it would basically come in phases. It would be, mm -hmm. you know, Shinra going after the, uh, or uh, like Tanjiro coming at Shinra with the water breathing style. And then if that didn't work, he would default to the Hinokame Kagura. And I think if it gets to that second phase, I think Shinra actually has it because the thing that you mentioned, Sam, like with the continuous motion and the sort of like flowing from one move to the next is the best way of um, catching someone who's like, you know, coming straight at you, then hard angle, hard angle attack from behind, which is more Shinra's style. Mm -hmm. If you can like maintain your momentum and counter into that second strike, if you can follow it, then one hit from Tanjiro is going to be debilitating against Shinra. Mm -hmm. but if Shinra can overcome that particular element and get uh, Tanjiro to use the Hinakame Kagura instead, I think he's just too fast. What we're saying is we really want to see this fight, so if you have any good like crossover fan art or a fan fiction or something, send it to us. I'm sure this probably exists. Can we, uh, let's let's hop off this because I feel like we've talked about it as much. Can we at least agree Shinra versus Tanjiro would probably need Nezuko in there to be... Mm -hmm. To justify it in a lot of ways, if, yeah. If only because of how fragile humans are in Demon Slayer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, do we care about any of the side characters? Um, I know <sighs> Yuji's kind of hard to place because where we are currently in Jujutsu Kaisen, he's just real strong. Yeah. Um, <sighs> Nabara's real cool. I like her a lot, but... Nabara is real cool, but she also just has the thing of kind of being real strong. Yeah, I I think she could do well against swordsmen, but like 
Not not really any cool, interesting play on the powers I can think of. One neat thing about Nabara would probably be her use of voodoo dolls. Because mm-hmm. if she could if she could move somebody's body like su- it like surprise them for the demon slayer characters in particular it would disrupt their breathing which could be very very bad for them it could potentially just ruin oh, their know, sword techniques you know what i want to see nobara trying to voodoo doll control deku using uh full cowling <laughs> yeah that would be really cool <laughs> where deku's just using the power of all for one to like fight against the voodoo control and force his body to move the way he wants anyway yeah, Nabara's cursed uh, techniques would be like top tier quirks. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we've already seen how Deku faces against uh, uh, mind control powers. Well, that's the... actually—I was just about to say that. I don't think that uh, Deku versus Nabara is the same question because, like, one of the big things is the the sort of mind control that Deku faced previously was more passive. Yeah, it was like a mental thing, like whereas. I could totally see, like, the content, like, it almost even necessary, like, whatever justification you create for the fight, whether it's just, like, you know, set these characters in a vacuum and they fight because cool, or if you actually try to justify them having a confrontation, either version, I think what the battle would ultimately come down to is both of them, out of sheer pride, deciding the fight on whether or not Deku could move despite the voodoo <laughs> doll, with Nobara physically holding the voodoo doll with mm-hmm. her own brute strength and cursed energy, and that would be the contest between them, oh. more so than any actual fight. I want to see Nabara just full-on deck Deku in the face. Like, just walk up Because <laughs> she's like, this guy's a little kid. Because I think he's he's a freshman, she's a senior. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, there is an age so, difference. So she'd be like, this little punk, and just deck him in the face. <laughs> That'd be uh, so funny. Let's do, uh, what's, what's a fun one? Uh, Panda versus Inosuke. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Boar versus bear. I'm so about it. That would be such a cool fight. And I think that would actually be a really cool fight to watch because I think I know how it would go too. I think I think Inosuke would get the drop on Panda, slice through one of the cores. And like that would be the start of like having to switch into like a defensive fight. But then the thing is, I'm almost certain Panda is so much smarter than Inosuke. <laughs> like, I was yeah. just going to say, the fight would be a long, epic brawl of the two of them showing off all their powers. But if Inosuke hits one of Panda's cores, it would be by accident. I mm-hmm. don't think Inosuke would think to aim for them. That, that's what I'm saying. The fight would have to start off with Inosuke doing a surprise attack, because that seems like his jam. And yeah. accidentally hitting one of the cores, which knocks one of Panda's three forms out of the fight. And then... And, and like, the, the way that Inosuke fights, especially relative to Panda, I feel like Panda would visually be on the back foot the entire time but really inosuke wouldn't be doing anything and it would be a really epic fight to to see play out but i do think that panda wins that because that's the other thing is panda's basically immune to anything that doesn't hit their cores so Mm -hmm. like they go big buff mode inosuke's swords aren't getting through like Mm -hmm. oh they are jagged though Well, even well, we, if they slice seen, through, well, though, it, it'll, you know, it'll do, yeah. it'll hurt, but it won't do damage, and that's the key. And then Inosuke that, has to mm-hmm. sniff out the cores with, no, he doesn't have super smell. He, does well, he have he's super got smell? It, No, he's got his super touch powers. Oh, he's got the equally stupid thing that never gets brought up again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, no, they all have a stupid thing that never gets brought up again. Yeah, his super, his, yeah it's like Tanjiro's got the super sniffers, and he too has the super hearing. Uh, Inosuke has... 
a really, really sensitive sense of touch, which gives him ultra instinct. Okay. Sure, why not? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean I could even I could even see this being like a really cool like reverse, reverse, reverse sort of fight where it's like you have Inosuke ambushes Panda and hits one of the cores, and then it looks like Panda's on the back foot, but then you know, you go into Panda's head and it's like uh after that first attack he just hit my core uh by sheer luck, you know, and then you know Panda turns the fight around and it looks like he's about to win. And then here comes Arthur. Well, I would, I would. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, uh, Inosuke suddenly is able to find the second core and land a shot because there is the element of Inosuke isn't bright, but isn't as dumb as people seem to give him credit for. But then the reverse, reverse is I've got three slap end of fight, (laughs) which honestly fits both of the the fight uh, beats of both series in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So I know this isn't a good matchup, but Arthur versus Zenitsu is something I kind of want to see because <laughs> oh, neither of them oh, know the fight is starting. Like <laughs> they would fight without realizing any they're in a confrontation. <laughs> Zenitsu would be like, "Why is this guy so aggressive?" And Arthur would just be like, "This guy's a coward. <laughs> <laughs> I need to kick his ass for that." <laughs> I was just, I was just asking if he knew where a payphone was, uh, was, but now I'm gonna have to stab him with my fire sword. If he's, if he's hitting on some girl and the noble, oh, he's noble got a chivalrous wipe. Arthur. <laughs> I oh, love I, it. Would Arthur wipe the floor with Zenitsu? I, I think it's pretty one sided. I don't think it's that one sided though, because. Super speed's always weird and power scaling is the thing. Like, Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a hard power thing, set to deal with. The weird thing is, it, it becomes the lightsaber fallacy because does Arthur's oh. Excalibur just instantly destroy Zenitsu's sword? Yeah, because the Nichiren swords aren't, like, magically defended. Or no, anything. yeah, they're actually pretty brittle, too, because they're meant mm-hmm. to fight deep. That's why they break so often. I think Arthur's Excalibur would slice through any of the Nichiren swords. It is yeah. it is constantly said it is the best sword. And whether or not that's Arthur, like, Boasting. blowing it up, it's still a sword made out of plasma. Like, yeah. There is, like, one of those cases where it's, like, when you're talking about, you know, if you want to throw Star Wars into a sword fighting uh, contest, do you have the lightsabers? Yes, Jacob, I have several hundred hours in Soul Calibur Four. What do you have a question about? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, it's like, do you do you let the lightsabers do what they do circa lore or do you say it's a sword? Well, well, no, the power of my soul poured into my blade grants it durability so that uh, Mitsurigi can clash with Darth Vader in the in the (laughs) intro of the of the video game. Or or if you want the stupid lore reason, just any regular sword just needs like a cortocious weave or something, which is like just wires that. It's a dumb reason, but apparently that blocks lightsabers. Well, like, yeah, I mean, they're they're like vibroblades can hold up against it longer. All all of them are dumb reasons. That 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 is extended universe. We need cool shit that isn't lightsabers. Like, I mean, Star Wars manga. We'll get to it. Um, <laughs> can can we think of any cool matchups in the new gen, or should we switch to a a fresh topic? We're kind of on uh, swords, and there's one series that I really like bringing up in um, versus mostly because it's a really cool series that not a lot of people know about sword fight based uh, tokusatsu show called uh, called Garo. I saw this coming. 
Of course you did. <laughs> to the shock of nobody ever, Sam and I have had discussions like this before. <laughs> um, it's actually somewhat similar to conceptually uh, Demon Slayer. Uh, it's set in the modern day. And one of the big things about it is that the tension of the story doesn't come from whether or not the hero will succeed. It's whether or not the hero will save the civilians or not. And because they're not mm. characters, they don't have plot armor. So, you know, you spend 15 minutes endearing yourself, to, you know, to these, you know, one shot mm. characters and you're wondering if they're going to get one shot by the end. Also, for in-universe reasons, whether or not the, the heroes will succeed fast enough. But that's a that's a whole dive that, man, no read November, we do Garo. Not I this would, year, no, not this year, but maybe next. I would love that so much. I want more people to watch that show. It is so cool. Maybe it next is, year. Let us know. It is rule of cool, the show. And <laughs> I wish more people knew about it. I, I bring up Exalted every time he talks about it, so. <laughs> we, honestly, honestly, as much as we as much as we joke about that sort of thing, uh, fair comparison, mm -hmm. it really is. <laughs> the point you were getting to about sword fighting. Yeah, I mean, um, one of the fun things is there are different ways that you can make um, uh, different blades a certain mm -hmm. level of, of powerful. And one of the elements of the blades in Garo is that they actually technically have infinite mass. They can't really be cut by a lightsaber. The trick with it is that they have the slightest amount of mass and infinite mass that the wielder wants them to have. Like being able to use a soul metal weapon is that that's one of the elements of it. And so like you can't really like cut or bend it because it's got infinite mass. Yeah. And then uh, the other fun reason why I love bringing Garo up as a series is because the reason it's a tokusatsu show, of course, they have like a suited form and mm -hmm. the suit of armor is made of the same material, but there's a time limit on it. And because of spoilers, I won't say what happens when the timer runs out, but it's not what you think. Makainites will not let the timer run out. Like that's obviously mm -hmm. a whole like element of the show. So can you stall out the near over minute and a half of someone who's completely invincible that's a that's a fun character to throw I, into a ring yeah that that's a fun idea uh i would definitely love to see that against um any other like master sword fighting character i'm gonna again again i'm gonna break for manga <laughs> but um <laughs> tokusatsu would, isn't manga either it's fair I'm, I'm i'm diving full on into uh into Western literature when I say this, I would love to see Drizzt Orden fight a uh, Makai Knight. <laughs> that would be such an uphill battle, because the other thing is... It would be, but it would be so cool. It would be so cool. I think Drizzt could last 99.9 .9 seconds. Ah, but can he last 99.9 .9 seconds after he has uh, already been fighting the unarmored Makai Knight with all of his wire foo? Mm, exactly. That's that's why Makai Knights are so fun because like they know their weakness and they fight around it. But could Zoro beat one of them? I'm sorry, Matt. Zolo, which is the right one? Zoro is from One Piece. Zoro is also from. I'm talking <laughs> about the One Piece character. <laughs> Roranoro Zoro is then what you would say. Okay. You'd say his full name. <laughs> <laughs> Zolo, if you want to go by what the. What the the official word. translation has bought that and is forced to keep going with it, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Mistakes were made.
You know? No, what? it's it's the same thing you always do. You avoid any chance of getting. It's why uh, Detective Conan's called Case Closed. It's because someone technically owns the copyright to Conan. Mm. It, it's like it's literally yeah. they don't even want to bother having to go to court over it because, l- little known fact, most uh, localizing manga companies are not like huge big fat cats like <laughs> oh yeah no because that that's actually the other thing where technically zoro is in like like the the folk hero zoro is in the public domain but people have sued over it anyway mm-hmm. and you know slap suits are bad yeah. hot takes here on the <laughs> over manga cast i just want to put this out there since we're tangentially on the topic of sword fight manga if there is a sword fight manga out there with the kind of like dedication to the craft and uh pointing out all the various details of technique on the level of like epo or something like that i want to read that please let us know and something to put on our list i love really technical sword fights as (laughs) evidenced by the fact that i brought up driz (laughs) (laughs) roran orizolo uh uh what's what's his skill set what's his uh he's got three (laughs) swords Also, he is virtually unkillable. <laughs> he is every single arc. He is beaten to a pulp, kills the guy he's fighting. Also, this is one piece. You don't normally kill people. Zoro kills his opponents. <laughs> <laughs> no one dies in one piece, but man, do uh, Zoro's um, opponents not show up again for some reason. Uh, <laughs> no one dies in one piece unless they fought Zoro. <laughs> Yeah, so that'd actually be a a pretty interesting one, especially when you consider uh, because Garo is rule of cool, the series, uh, the Makai Knights tend to uh, move slowly at first after they transform. So uh, I could see I could easily see a situation where whether it's Koga or Ray or, you know, any of the minor Garo like Makai Knight characters, how they could uh, end up underestimating a guy who... (laughs) Who, who, whose only power seems to be that he holds a sword in his teeth. <laughs> you say that's not a power, but it is. <laughs> I know, it takes skill. Yeah, no, I'm saying, I'm saying it's easy to underestimate. <laughs> uh, yeah. With that, you guys want to transfer into uh, old school shonen so we can bring up some One Piece nonsense? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> so the, the question that has plagued this community for literal decades, Goku, Ichigo, or Luffy, who we agreed no goku uh, <laughs> we agreed no goku the, so. cor- the correct answer is that naruto shows up and invites them all to go out for ramen and every one of them agrees i mean fair also not wrong weird tangent current luffy might be able to beat goku like he has gotten you know honestly here here's the thing about one piece one piece has definitely had enough time relative to dragon ball it's had 20 years so yeah i don't know i don't know if the same like because like the the thing about dragon ball that's crazy is the exponential scaling of it but honestly we're gonna have to put one piece on the list because it's had enough time that like i i'm not gonna say definitively that that one piece hasn't caught up to at least the good parts of dragon ball if nothing else Luffy is strong. Like, yeah, <laughs> Luffy is strong right now. And that's the thing. He is not, he, he is definitively not the strongest person in his universe. They yeah. say that every step of the way, like, as opposed to Dragon Ball, which is constantly, Goku is the strongest person in the universe, but new threat out of nowhere. It's like, no, <laughs> Luffy is constantly small fish, big pond. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Lu- 
That's what I'm saying. Luffy's kind of not interesting in this because uh, <laughs> Luffy versus Yusuke Yurameshi. Like, <laughs> yeah, Luffy. I, um, also, it's like he's made out of rubber just defeats like a lot of punching things. Yeah, that's sort of the thing I'm thinking of is that Luffy has a really strong power set because it is like if you try to fight him close range, he will just punch you. If you try to fight him long range, he will still just punch you like Luffy, like uh, like if you're equalizing power and not like being concerned with, you know, like, you know, power levels, quote unquote. It, it's one of those deceptively strong power sets where like you wouldn't think it's that good. But man, if someone uses it even halfway creatively, it's terrifying. Yep. Uh, let's see. What's uh, what's some fun matchups? I mean, everybody likes throwing Naruto characters into these sorts of discussions. I will say I do find it sort of interesting how how highly people tend to rate Naruto characters. I think Naruto himself gets a lot of um, him in the fourth uh his dad, the fourth Hokage, I think. I think so. Yeah. It, it's been a bit since I've uh, read Naruto. They get a lot of. Um, Naruto is very powerful by the end of Naruto. Like, no, hmm. uh, like he he could give Luffy a run for his money. I'm not going to lie about that. But uh, like they they have the same thing I mentioned with Zenitsu earlier is they move. They've got a technique that causes them to move at the speed of light. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, because um, one of the other things is and I mean, like one of my favorite things in a shonen fight scene is a vanishing attack. So anybody who has some kind of flash step ability, there is the element of it, it's just I remember way back in the day when Naruto was being like, you know, translated and released on American TV and stuff. I just remember like everyone always talking like like season one Naruto as God tier. And that always confused me. <laughs> I guess if you took the substitution jutsu as he was like moving at light speed to switch places rather than just swapping places with an object, like that's not the same thing. That's like, yeah, like, and you see this a lot where people in manga will have like flash step where they move so quickly they they create after images and they're like, yeah, that basically means they have the flashes powers. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. That's a very specific thing. Yeah, it does only what you see it do. You don't get to extrapolate from that. Leech is fun. Because they've got a lot of cool powers, and they've got a lot of swords. Mm. And swords, objectively, are cool. <laughs> yeah. Problem is, their swords are basically just different swords. <laughs> so, like, talking about them is kind of hard. I'm kind of regretting this topic, and we might <laughs> cut it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, the nature of old school shonen versus stuff has been talked to death. So it's not like it uh, we go want for... Uh, for this specific subject matter. And I mean, there is a reason why char certain characters keep coming back up in discussions. Naruto will always be on, uh, you know, a, a topic that comes up. You know, mm -hmm. Dragon Ball characters will always be a topic that comes up. Luffy, Luffy will always be a sleeper OP pick that people don't really think about until someone is smart enough to mention it. You, you don't you don't know current Luffy. That's the problem. Like he, <laughs> yeah, he yeah. I'm strong. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I was saying. He's, he's, he's a sleeper OP pick that people don't think about until someone mentions it. I do remember, I, I'm pretty sure, Matt, you were the one that sent it to the Discord, but there was a, there was a like, no powers, everyone is MMA fighting, who wins, and it was a bunch of different characters. That was cool. Yeah, that was really cool, because I had a whole bunch of Dragon Ball characters, and you just had to go like, well, if they don't have powers, though, 
there are yeah. some people who are just better fighters like that. It's like the time Goku learned, not just like learned how to use it because him him first learning it was a, the punchline of a joke. But like, you know, the time him mastering the Kamehameha takes away from his like tech, like his his hand to hand technique. But on the other hand, Goku is always referred to as having the best hand to hand technique in the series. So it's like, you know, it's like, can he stand up to Baki the grappler characters? I mean, I like Goku. Uh, I know I know him better, but like from what I've heard, it, one of the it, Baki the Grappler characters made President Trump pee himself and sign a non-aggression pact with that character specifically, just <laughs> that one man and the entire United States. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, another thing you have to consider is like the conceit of that was they had like regular human strength, so you also had to take into the fact that Goku is canonically like five eight. Yeah, He's yeah. Not super tall. Baki characters are seven foot and made of muscle. Like at that point, you're two fight classes below someone. Like yeah, and it, it is it is very much the case where again, you know, talking about that element of like what makes the better story, you could write a story where you could justify no powers Goku winning that fight, but damn, he would be one hell of an underdog. The the story deciding that fight more so than. You yeah, know, no, raw. No, no powers Goku looks like the kind of person whose skull gets crushed in a thing of Baki to show how tough the guy is. Like, <laughs> So, the, fi the final question that I have... Not final question. Shut the fuck up, Sam. I have another thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, so, I said the final question I have. No. Is it about the specific thing, or are you trying to wrap up the episode? I was going to dovetail into a new genre for discussion of power. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> Non-battle battle manga. Oh, Sam, I was actually just about to transition to this in well, because I had a thing I wanted to ask Jacob. Yugi versus Chihaya. Hmm. Not not a tem. Yugi. <laughs> Honestly, Yugi, like, that's the thing. Yugi is way stronger than a tem is. I think a tem is the closer match. Oh, against a tem mm. in, like... What if they're playing um, Chihaya's game that I can't if remember? They're playing, the if they're playing if they're Karuda, Karuda, that's actually a really cool one. I think, honestly, I think, honestly... Yugi loses because he's short. <laughs> <laughs> Yugi has the arm problem and also... Yeah, he has, he has a reach disadvantage. I think, honestly, especially if you're, if you're taking out, like, a, a narrative out of the question, because, like, I could totally see something along the lines of Chihaya plays a match against a Tem and wins and then loses to Yugi as like, oh, I has still have so much further to go. But honestly, I think Chihaya beats a Tem. Yugi, I think that they're pretty close because Yugi is very similar to... Um, Yugi would have the mental aspect of the game down pat. Mm. I think Yugi would have the same problem that um, her, her second boyfriend, I'm forgetting the name of, but like he has the same problem where he sees Chihaya and he's just like, she has ears that are literally built for this game. I can't mm. compete with such natural talent. Like Yugi yeah. doesn't have natural talent. Well, no, but actually, that's the that's the thing. It depends on when you're talking about Yugi. Because if you're talking about post series Yugi, then I well, think that they're perfectly evenly matched. Like Jacob, every time I talk about Yugi, I only ever refer to the one episode he's in Yu-Gi-Oh GX. Like that's the only time I've ever seen him. Ah, <laughs> so, so so post so post season Yugi. 
Actually, technically not. <laughs> he appears yes. as a uh, younger yeah, version of himself. Yeah, no, that because because uh, uh, Dark Yugi right. is still there. He's not. He's still there. So that's before. That's between Battle City and Millennium. No, it doesn't make sense. Um, a fine episode though. But yeah, no, I mean like the the, the version of of Yugi that still is attached to Dark Yugi, I think, uh, would absolutely have that that exact problem because the I mean the whole reason why he almost literally but mostly metaphorically hides behind his other self is because he doesn't think he's good enough and the truth is he always was good enough so like again it, it sort of depends on what point of the series you're talking about i think it goes without saying jinochi loses the hardest uh he doesn't have the patience for karuda i, I don't think I don't, I don't think joey can read i'm gonna be honest <laughs> you might be right about that but what happens when we uh weave in Light Yagami. So is this like a, a battle thing? Hmm. Well, Possibly. if it's if it's a death note, there's there's like a it's a psychological game. Um, mm. who who are you, who are you thinking up against Light Yagami? Uh, honestly, like like no cap. Just from everything I've seen of Yu Gi Oh, I honestly think that Yu Gi and Atem working as a team could out Shrek Light. I think I I think they could actually outfox him. Sure, they have the uh the one would say cheat code of having literally two minds but i i think the one thing you would have to like the whatever you do to set this up you would have to somehow get rid of the fact that yugi moto is a famous world champion yeah yeah the, yeah like celebrities versus light yagami are going to die immediately like even if you did like like the context of take two characters give them a shared world where but like neither of them know each other and then place a death note between them and one of and like you know write down the name or whatever like you know like that sort of that sort of like gamified oh, element of man. it completely unrelated light yagami finds the millennium puzzle <laughs> <laughs> Hey, do you want to kill criminals? I've always wanted to kill criminals. Do it with card games. What? <laughs> well, you know, just like any games. It's it's fine. I'm really just a murder goblin. Um, <laughs> attempt never attempt just leans harder into being the murder into goblin. Into being the murder goblin. <laughs> oh God, Ryuk with Yugi is like I want to be friends with everyone. Hey, you should write names in your death note. What about that Kaiba kid who's tried to murder you a few times? He's good on the inside. <laughs> what the fuck am I supposed to do with <laughs> I really don't know what I'm working with right now. <laughs> Imagine live action Ryuk. Oh, Willem Dafoe Ryuk would just be like, hey kid, you want some card game packs? <laughs> Write it in the death note. Do it. And it's like, I don't want to. I can force you with my mind. Stop making up powers. No. <laughs> <laughs> I should have given the book to that Genochi kid. <laughs> Joey would use the death note, but because he's an idiot. <laughs> He'd misspell yeah. the names and nothing would happen. <laughs> hey, you, this stupid book doesn't do anything. It just makes me see Willem Dafoe. <laughs> I want this fan fiction now. Light Yagami has won all of the card games and is currently killing criminals. <laughs> oh, see, he just goes to underground poker games. And make some shadow games where people have to bet their lives on the game. He just hunts down like like mafia bosses and challenges them to poker. What's oh. that? What's that manga with the with the super high stakes gamble? Taiji is the one where they get people mm -hmm. who are debtors and they make them play like gambling games for their lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
We need to read Kai. If you love Yu-Gi-Oh, you'll like Kaiji because Kaiji's basically like adult Yu-Gi-Oh that doesn't. It's not marketing a card game, so it's like they actually hmm. play like stupid life-threatening things for like large sums of money. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I guess the I guess the way of putting it is if you like the the fir- like this first seven volumes of Yu-Gi-Oh. Yes, yes. Kaiji. If you if you like the card game part of Yu-Gi-Oh, I I don't think they make an adult version of that. Um, <laughs> Kaiji would kick the ass of Yugi. Like he he would. <laughs> Yugi doesn't have the the intestinal fortitude for uh, Kaiji. Yeah. Atem a would probably be the one who has to fight him. Yugi wouldn't have the guts for it. Atem would be the one who'd put pressure on him. And Kaiji would win because he always managed. He's always constantly facing life or death and squirming out from the bottom. Atem has too much pride. Mm, uh, yeah. Yeah, I could see that. That gets abused. Meanwhile, ah, Chihaya would lose against Kaiji because Kaiji would cheat because he doesn't want to die because of a game of Karuda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can I see remember that. if the main character of Kai's name is Kaiji. I don't think it is now that I've said it so often. Yeah. <laughs> you, you're telling me San's last name isn't Undertale? <laughs> God damn it. But yeah, the one the one that I've always seen and like, you know, I mean, this Kaiji. is. Oh, neat. The one that I'd always seen because they came out around the same time was uh, Light Yagami and uh, Lelouch v. Britannia. Mm. Uh, their, their mental yes. battle. I think that's, that's the same problem I have with like Yugi, though, is like Lelouch is a prince. <laughs> like, mm. oh, but he's but hiding a zero. It, you're right. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, Lelouch, Lelouch is willing to take the L if it means that he wins in the end. Like, he is willing to Just throw like away... Light. Every last, well, no, that, actually, no, that's sort of the thing. Light is, Light's pride is his biggest weakness, whereas yeah, Lush is willing his, to humiliate himself if it means he wins in J- the end. Jacob, I think you're missing it. That's why Light's pride was so much that he took the L. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. I'll give you, I'll, I'll, I'll give you points for that one. And the fangirls squee in the distance. But yeah, no, I mean, like that, that is one of those ones where it's like a lot of these sort of depends like the contest that you create, because needless to say, for every single one of these, you can create situations where one of them has a hideous advantage against the other. But like, oh, yeah, can Lelouch look his opponent in the eye? Yeah, yeah. Or or even, you know, it's like, you know, like what was mentioned about you know, Yugi stroke dark Yugi versus uh, light. It's like if he's a celebrity, then that's not even a fight. But like, again, in the context of like who who has the ability to think their way out of situations that they're not prepared for. Considering how much non-battle battle manga relies on the main character being a hyper competent planner. I I think I got to go with Matt that Kaiji would be the best in this because against Lelouch. Well, (laughs) I think Kaiji's getting killed by Lelouch like that's. (laughs) Again, can Lelouch look his opponent in the eye to activate the Gios? Yeah, I, th- I think he would instantly Gios Kai- Kaiji's mm-hmm. Kaiji is scruffy and street smart because he needs to be. He's not a very intelligent. Uh, mm-hmm. He does a lot of intelligent. Th- That's the problem where you're you get into power scaling. You're like, well, what is a character's intelligence? Like they're depicted as an idiot because it's funny. But then they've got a whole bunch of things that require smarts. And then you're like, well, does that, that make them a smart person or are they just situationally intelligent? Well, and yeah, and yeah, there are different kinds of intelligence because all of these characters have different strengths and weaknesses. Just for example, 
uh, Dark Yugi, what makes him a really powerful mental combatant is that he will contrive the situation uh, to create an advantage for himself, an inherent advantage for himself. One thing that he often does is he he plays off of the arrogance of his opponents and, you know, convinces them to play along with his shenanigans just long enough for the magic to kick in, at which point, you know, if they try to back out at that point, it kills them. And then, you know, it's already, you know, a pretty much rigged game at that point. Here, Here's yeah. a, I'm going to throw someone into the ring of your um, Lelouch versus Light. Okay. Canada from Platinum End. Canada. Actually, I I did want to bring in a Platinum End character. I I low key wanted to start this particular segment with uh, Mirai versus Light, but uh, then I realized that Mir- Mirai doesn't have the guts. Mirai doesn't have the guts in his own series. Canada, Canada though, he absolutely has the psychopathy <laughs> to <laughs> to do everything that needs to be done, and he has the benefit of an alias because. Light wouldn't be able to just set write down Metropolitan. That wouldn't work. Yeah, that's not his actual name. But the problem mm-hmm. is Metropolitan has to be there to kill the person. Like, he only can mm-hmm. kill someone within 30 feet of him. Light kills remotely in secret. Yep. Metropolitan kills with a giant red diamond that shoots out of his hand. Like, mm-hmm. So, can Light kill faster than Kanada can find minions? <laughs> Well, yeah, no, I mean, it, it, it's all about the two of them finding each other. And in all honesty, one big thing that I think is important is there are things to be said about how the series was handled in its second half, whether or not you want to attribute this to Descent into Madness or whatever. I think I think for the majority of the series, Light is a relatively mature person. Like, the negative character traits that he has are born out of how uh, passionately he feels about his ideals. Metropolitan's just kind of crazy, and I <laughs> feel like he's more inclined to slip up than Light is. And the key is, if one of them slips up, the other will be, you know... We'll be right there. We'll be right on it and end them instantly, but I... Th- feel like Canada would mess up first. So I guess the probably much more interesting matchup then is Canada versus Lelouch. Because they both have to be like present at the person they're fighting in order to do anything with. Mm, yeah. yeah. Canada needs to be there for the white arrow and Lelouch needs to be able to see someone in order to geos them. So actually, I think this is another case where I think it would be a really cool like exercise to experience because like you know as much as i said about you know kanda being the one to slip up first i think it would still be a really cool like contest to see between the two of them even with all of their power sets completely intact also, also completely negating the fact lelouch has a mech that he could yeah. be in <laughs> oh yeah let's, let's take the let's take the nightmares out of the question just for a start um which which Kogias arguably should have done a while back, but <laughs> <laughs> that's a completely separate matter. Well, the problem Indeed. was Code Gias was made to sell toys. Sell toys, yeah. Yeah. It was hey, Death Note's really cool. Let's make that, but with mechs. Like, yeah, no, that that hundred percent is what Code Gias was, and that is why it is overrated. There, I said it. I don't want to talk about Spinny Kickman and his nuke laser Gundam. <laughs> No, Su- but yes, I don't even know who I'd match Suzaku up with. He's not even on. 
<laughs> Suzaku can be with the new Shonen boys, in all honesty. That's kind of where he lives. But back to the actual subject, I think actually seeing Light and Metropolitan go against each other, I think the winner of that contest is obvious, but I also think that it would be a really cool fight to watch play out. I also think that Lelouch versus Metropolitan would be a bit of a foregone conclusion, but like it would probably be even cooler to watch because the amount of theater they both are yeah. like obsessed with would yep. make that such a show. Because both of them, the point isn't to kill your opponent. It's to get the audience watching to know you are the best. Mm -hmm. You yeah. need them on your side worshiping you. Lelouch and... literally caused a landslide in order to wipe out a whole base of his opposition, and that's the least of the theatrical things he did. Yeah, that's that's the most subdued he had ever been. Mm -hmm. Nuking people from orbit was uh, his final plan. <laughs> Attention, entire world. I think one of the big things is, um, not for nothing, as much as Metropolitan will pull this trick too, I think the fact that Lelouch is not above body doubles, the, mm. the real key to it is the instant Lelouch realizes that Metropolitan can point at someone and insta-kill them, because it's like, we as the audience see the red diamond that comes out of his hand, but like, that's something that only God candidates can see, and like, even if you take that ruling away, it's supposed to move at like, instantaneously. So like, I, he's literally pointing at someone and they I, drop dead. I have no doubt Lelouch would just assume he has some form of... Are they all called Gyasas in... Unfortunately, yes. They're all called okay. Gyasas, even when it doesn't He would sense. assume he has some sort of Gyas that insta-kills someone. Like, that's a fair assumption, because he's fought mm -hmm. other people with Gyasas. Like, I think that's the thing. I think that there would always be somebody else in a Zero suit, and that Lelouch would never be in the same room as Metropolitan. And eventually, Metropolitan is just going to slip up one too many times and or get strung just, up. Or maybe just, like, even a Hall of Mirrors trick. Oh, yeah, like, that would be... You mean what we left our Platinum End reading on? <laughs> yeah, we, we should really read more Platinum End. I hear it doesn't go great, but I'm excited for it. Um, <laughs> Me too! Uh, uh, okay, I, I've got an, I, I've got one that I kind of want to bring up. I, I don't think they're one for one in, like, the same genre. I just think it's interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Denji versus Alucard. Hmm. Both of them are sort of infinitely regenerating violence engines they both drink <laughs> blood to get to keep going they're kind of what i said earlier about uh goku saitama and um i forget who the third one we were talking about uh, superman. superman superman in that they are the show up and save the day characters denji is the least in that particular regard i don't think there is a single point in chainsaw man you're worried denji is gonna die yeah. I, well, I, well, I don't think you're supposed to ever worry, to be mm, fair, mm, but mm. like... By the metric I'm going off of, I don't think there's a single point in Chainsaw Man where we are waiting for Denji to show up and solve the plot. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, in those four others, it's always Will, Goku, Alucard, Superman, uh, blah, blah, blah. Will they show up and solve the plot? But I would very much like to see Denji versus Alucard, if only because the Eternity Devil arc and its resolution makes me think that Denji could put up way more of a fight against Alucard than Alucard ever thinks he would be capable of. My yeah. the thing I'm hinging on is whether or not Alucard recognizes Denji as a human being. Because mm -hmm. if he recognizes Denji as a human being who has gained devil powers, he will respect him to a degree that if he just views him as some kind of monster to be taken out, 
Mm-hmm. Like, those are the two different fights he'd have, and one of those is much less in Denji's favor. Yes. See, this is the interesting thing for me, because when I think about these two, like, we see Denji grow into the hero he wanted to be, and, like, the Eternity Devil arc comes very early on in the series, but also the Eternity oh, Devil I'm, isn't fighting back. I'm speaking purely mechanically for the Eternity Devil arc, and you are right about that. That is well, a good caveat to bring in, to bring up. Yeah, because, because like, here's one of the things for me. If you're going to talk about for Denji for most of the series, basically until, I think it, uh... Who was the devil that brought them out of hell? Makima. No, who who did Makima show up to fight? Was that the darkness uh, devil? Makima was the one who brought them out of hell. She Yeah. Well, she showed up she showed up to fight the darkness devil. Okay, yeah. That I was I was asking yeah. the enemy for that fight. Yeah, yeah. That was the darkness um, devil. That was the darkness devil. I think by that point is where Denji crosses a line into being like a fully realized like hero and it's like you know then you know a bunch of stuff happens that drags him back down and he comes out of it stronger in the end etc etc so like end of series denji is Mm -hmm. an incredibly incredibly powerful character um not just in the sense of he has raw actual power because i mean like if you if you were to do the normal helsing and quite frankly chainsaw man thing of smashing the action figures together because both of them do that as their primary combat Mm -hmm. style which is why i love it both of them power wise i think are relatively close to each other but alucard is more matured and put together for most of his series but there is that factor of the Eternity Devil that Denji is willing to just keep getting up forever. Yeah. And I, that's the real that's the real question. And yeah, it is sort of this situation of I don't, I don't know who has the advantage there. Like the, what I said earlier, the fact that I hinge on whether or not Alucard views him as a human being or not is whether or not he uses his full force immediately and stomps Denji out or toys with him long enough to get the engine running that he realizes this isn't something he can stop. Mm. Or, frankly, wants to stop. Because Alucard Mm. doesn't want to live as much as other people we've talked about do. (laughs) Yeah. And and there is also the fact that... Alucard wants to be defeated by a human. And and that's the interesting thing, because, you know, go and listen to our Helsing episode. We didn't finish the series, but I have seen the entire OVA, so um, I at least can say... Uh, level zero restraint release versus Denji, I, I again think, would just be the Eternity Devil situation of, sure, Alucard has like 300 million souls that he can use as extra lives. Denji can just keep ripping them apart and drinking their blood to keep going forever. I was about to say, that's not even Eternity Devil, that's Santa Claus. That's mm-hmm. Santa Claus, yeah. Yeah. And he beat Santa Claus, so he can beat Alucard. He it's beat just... Santa Claus while laughing. Like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm not even, I'm going to light myself on fire rather than. Mm-hmm. Mostly because I think it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It It's basically a Millennium using Schrodinger, but with extra steps. This is actually one of, in my opinion, the most fun kinds of, of these confrontations, because at the end of the day, you know, like, visually cool fight scenes are one things but the clash of characters i think is the most interesting and in all honesty i'd love to see alucard meet denji especially Mm -hmm. end of end of uh series denji like i know chainsaw man's gonna continue but as of right now it's end End of series part one denji that's yeah that's a better way of putting it end of part one denji the two of them would absolutely like they'd they'd find such a kindred spirit in the other 
you know, and mm-hmm. they would love fighting each other. And that would like that to me in a lot of ways is a big element of why these um, confrontations are fun. You know, I mean, like I mentioned earlier, part of the reason why I actually, in spite of how similar they are, really like the idea of an evenly matched Goku and Superman is because seeing the two of them meet and talk to each other and swap stories as they're swapping punches honestly is the most cool element of this sort of discussion to me you know mm-hmm. yeah i mean that, that's the same kind of thing i liked about like the idea of chihaya versus yugi like creaming yugi the first match because he doesn't know karata and then him excitingly going hey could you teach me this game and she'd be like someone wants to learn karata cool <laughs> mm-hmm. oh yeah no they would bond so hard the only way you learn is me crushing you repeatedly and yugi's like what <laughs> and then Yuki goes bussin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It would it would depend entirely on when in the timeline for Yugi. It, uh, but like end of series, Yugi would absolutely be that, and you know their interactions would be so entertaining. So I think that does kind of bring us full circle around to the <laughs> the ultimate point of as fun as it is, y'all nerds on the internet need to stop being so serious. Power levels are deterministic by the stories that they are uh, flavor of. So take it down a notch. Have fun. We appreciate that. Don't 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 scream so much at each other. Yeah. Instead of screaming at each other, write a really cool fan fiction where the one you want to win wins and you're able to justify it. Because honestly, that's way more entertaining seeing the characters interact in that way than uh, just yelling at each other over a screen. I'd rather mm-hmm. just tell people that Goku's the best ever because he's basically new Jesus. <laughs> also, he could beat Jesus in a fight. <laughs> so, so long as we're talking about new Jesus, uh, Goku versus Thrall from Warcraft, and that's the end of the episode. Goku everybody. versus Dio. <laughs> <laughs> tell me, do you believe in gravity? <laughs> Star Scourge Radon has entered the chat. Well, I don't think any character. F- any character versus a JoJo's character is going to lose. Like, that... <laughs> Which is why we have not brought up JoJo's in this. <laughs> Which is why we have not brought up gag manga characters. Well, JoJo's isn't a gag manga, but like I, <laughs> it's a JoJo... parody. It's, it's JoJo's is to the scale that I think Saitama would lose against JoJo's characters. Like that's the ridiculousness. Uh huh. Okay, we we were winding down, but one final note. That's actually sort of the interesting thing because. The kind of parody that JoJo's is, it plays the gag manga logic straight. I think that is the one case where you can have an accurate Saitama actually lose a fight because that's the nature of JoJo's. I think what you're saying is JoJo's is satire, not so much it's a parody. Oh yeah, no, that, that, yes, exactly. Yeah, because something can be satirical without being comedic. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, thank you. That is a much better word for it. The nature of JoJo's as a satire puts it in a similar position as a gag series. Though JoJo's are, are, JoJo's characters are fun to put in. uh. Ones that aren't Dio, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, how you deal with the world uh, is uh, an interesting question, but. uh... (laughs) And there's your metaphor, everybody. Dio wins all fights. <laughs> well, well, no, the metaphor is how you deal with the world is an interesting question. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we're here to read stories. <laughs> that's why Io from Green Lantern beats everyone. <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you, everybody, once again for listening to the Over Manga Cast. You can find us on all of your social medias, where we are at Over Manga Cast on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, we also have a website, right, Matt? We do. Uh, www.overmangacast.com. There you can uh, listen to all of our episodes, uh, get in touch with us, just uh, all the centralized things that won't make you have to go on three different social media sites. But speaking of which, we also have our episodes up on YouTube on, I believe it's a two-week delay? Yep. And uh, we really appreciate all of the standard YouTube like, comment, and subscribing. Mm -hmm. Yep, push that interaction for uh, the almighty algorithm and uh, give us reviews on your podcatcher of choice. They're a great way to help out the show. Yep, iTunes, Spotify, uh, any of the others, although those two matter so much more than the others. <laughs> <laughs> and if you have a suggestion on what you want us to read, hit us up again at OverMangaCast on your social media platform of choice. So uh, thank you everyone so much for listening. Tune in next Thursday for another episode and good night. Good night, everybody. Good night. Dio wins everything. <laughs>